Hello, and welcome to the first behind-the-scenes episode for Gone. Um, I'm not entirely sure of the format of this. I, I think I might just kind of ramble. <laughs> I hope that's okay. Uh, yeah, so if you're listening to this, uh, you know this is a special thing for people supporting me on Patreon at the $25 level and up, I think. To be honest, I don't really want to check right now, but I'm pretty sure that that's how it is. I can't believe I actually don't remember. So yeah, uh... This is, I guess, kind of a little bit of a retrospectacle of how the last month or so has gone. Um, it's been a strange month. It's been a strange month in part because I had kind of a long break in between episodes, and I did the first short story of what I hope is going to be a series of them set in this universe. So I'm, I'm kind of... One of the things about that that was really interesting is I'm kind of having a chance to take this universe and take this character and... Uh, approach kind of in a different angle what I think I might want to do in the future. Um, but the thing about that that is making this process both really interesting and kind of nerve-wracking, not kind of, super nerve-wracking, is that I actually don't know a tremendous amount more than you do. I'm, I'm very much discovering this as I go. Um, I really, I mean, I have a rough plan. I know the basic shape of the end of the season. I know basically what's going on. I am prepared to provide answers to at least some of these questions. But there's a lot about where things might go after the end of the season that I, I frankly don't really know very much about. Um, and, and as you'll see once we come to the end of the season, assuming that it doesn't take any kind of sharp turns that I didn't anticipate, the the process of a second season might have to be a bit different in terms of format. Now, one of the things about doing a podcast like this is that uh, unless I somehow manage to bring in another voice or two, I'm, I am very constrained in terms of what I am and am not able to do. Uh, I'm constrained by budget. I really cannot afford to pay anybody else to get involved in this right now. Uh, they would have to do it out of the goodness of their hearts. And I don't really like asking people to do that. If people are going to put in work for me, I like being able to pay them. And uh, I'm also constrained by the fact that when I record, I have talking points for a scene. But for the most part, I ad-lib. Um, I, I, I just say a bunch of stuff, and then I go back later, and I edit it into something that sounds a little bit more like a single stream of consciousness conversation that's, that's a little more coherent and holds together a little better. And I, if I was going to bring in another voice, I think that that would involve a lot more scripting than I'm used to. Now, it might not be a bad idea to learn how to fucking do that, especially if I want to do more podcasts in the future that aren't gone. But yeah, that, that, that presents some difficulties. Now, I can think of some ways in which I might be able to make that work, but yeah, I, I want to do a second season of this. Uh, it seems like there is some demand for a second season of this. I... Still have to wait and see how some things shake out, but but as I look forward to season two, and I don't know how long the gap would be between the end of season one and season two, as I look forward to season two, there are a lot of things that I'm, I'm kind of trying to work through in my head, and I'm not entirely sure how they're going to go. And a lot of them have to do with the details of world building, and I am that is one of the things that I am really finding out as I go. Um, there are rules that govern this world that... Uh, I don't really know. I, I'm not entirely sure how they work. And there, there are things that I'm kind of only thinking of as I go through them, like 
shit. Like, example, uh, in the short story that I wrote and recorded, I mentioned plants. Like, how do plants survive without sun? And uh, one of the things that I implied heavily in the story is that they are surviving. Uh, They're not all dead yet. I, 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 they may not be doing well. I, I wasn't entirely clear about that, but they're around. Uh, it's, it's not like the road. It's not like all the vegetation's dead. So that right there, that implies some stuff about the quality of the darkness that is interesting and confusing. And when I'm encountering something like that, one of the things that I really have to kind of decide to the extent that I can while leaving some flexibility for the future is to what extent am I even going to explain this? Because as, as I'm going through this and as I'm thinking about what answers I might be able to offer people and when for what's going on and why things are the way they are. I mean, I, I kind of think about this as I really am rambling. I kind of think about this as like the lost conundrum, right? So lost uh, is kind of an example for me. It's, it's kind of a masterclass in both how to do a story that raises a lot of really confusing and worrying and uh, intriguing questions, because it does that masterfully. Uh, it, it does that really, really well most of the way through. It, it consistently raised these questions about how its world worked and what was actually going on that kept me really invested, even when there were a lot of things about the characters that were starting to frustrate me a great deal. And then, of course, at the end is when it all completely falls apart. I, I know that, I, I do know of some people who were kind of okay with the ending, but the vast majority of my friends who were into that show were outraged by the ending. I was personally outraged by the ending. I felt personally insulted by it. Um, I, I just, I thought it was beyond stupid and it didn't even hold together that well when when you look back on it. And I, I, I regard some elements of that as kind of unforgivable because I think that there are ways in which they could have, as they went along, they, they could have kind of tweaked things or, or edged things in a different direction that would not necessarily, they were not locked into that ending, uh, even, you know, halfway or more of the way through. They, they could have done something different. They were not locked into doing that ending from the beginning. But uh, on the other hand, I kind of have a little bit of sympathy for them because it, I mean, it, it was still a mistake that they made, but it's a mistake that I think is even a very good writer might end up making it. And the mistake is to set up questions and uh, implications that are so interesting and so intriguing and build up possibilities in such a huge way that any answer that they're going to offer uh, is very possibly going to be unsatisfying. After Lost wrapped up, and I was doing a lot of thinking about it, and, you know, kind of doing a little bit of, like, a post-mortem, a little bit of, like, a narrative autopsy, like, okay, at what point did this go so wrong, and how could they have possibly avoided it? One of the things that I kept running into, in terms of kind of a wall, is, okay, well, what explanation could they have offered that I personally would have found satisfying? Like, if I was going to go back and rewrite this, and try to make it the way I thought it should have been, what what explanation at the very end would I offer an audience to try to wrap everything up and make it all make sense from the very beginning? And I honestly came up completely empty. Like I had no idea what I could possibly offer people that would match how interesting the first couple of seasons of that show was. So 
that is something that I am frankly afraid of doing and I'm trying very hard to not do is to set this up in such a way that uh, the questions I'm raising are very interesting. Uh, the, the questions of what is actually going on in this world and what are the actual rules that govern it and who did this and why, if anybody did it at all, and what happens going forward from here. There is the danger that those questions might actually be things that I can't match in terms of an answer. So one of the things that I'm kind of moving back and forth on a little bit is to what degree will I offer answers for all of them? And there, there are two reasons for maybe not answering everything. And, and then the first is that problem. The, the first is if I'm going to offer an answer, I think it needs to be an answer that matches the question in terms of how interesting it is. And it doesn't necessarily mean that it has to wrap everything up super neatly, but it does, it has to satisfy me because if it doesn't satisfy me, then I am not fairly expecting it to satisfy the audience. So that's a bar that I've got to clear. But then the other thing is if I'm going to do a season two, I can't answer everything. There, there have to be some questions that are unresolved. There, there have to be some problems that I haven't completely worked around. So as I'm going, I'm finding one of the things that is very, very tricky, especially given that I personally don't know everything, is what questions do I want to answer? What questions do I want to leave open and, and why? If I'm not going to answer something, there has to be a good reason for not answering it. And if I do answer something, it's going to have to be because it pushes the story forward in some way. Uh, as much as I understand that people want to know what's going on, I'm not just going to dispense answers like candy. I can't, I can't do that. Everything that I'm doing in this has got to serve the story in some way. Otherwise, I can't really justify it even being there. Now, what serves the story can be a variety of different things. Because in a story where there are a variety of different things going on, not everything has to be a crucial thing that moves the plot forward in, in X way. But I do have to have reasons for why I'm doing stuff. So that's... That is something that is, to be honest, it's giving me a fair amount of anxiety as I move forward with this. Uh, I don't want to make you pessimistic. Like, it's, I'm, as I'm parting the kimono to, to this extent, I'm, I'm like, I don't want to make you feel like this is going to go bad. Uh, I am determined with all of my power to not make this lost. If this, if this ends up being lost at the end, I will regard myself as having failed tremendously. Uh, I'm not doing that. I mean, one of, the, one of the things that I will just say right off, you know, and maybe it's kind of a spoiler, but I don't really think it is. Uh, one of the things that I will say right off is that nobody in this is dead. Uh, the protagonist is not dead. All the people who vanished are not dead. Nobody's dead. This is not any kind of afterlife. This is not any kind of alternate dimension that serves as an afterlife. Death is not really part of the story in any respect, uh, except in as much as the protagonist muses at one point, okay, what's the difference between being gone and being dead? Uh, you know, what, what? at the end of the day, if you're not present, then what is the important distinction there? Is vanishing suddenly and dying suddenly, are those two things really distinct in any meaningful way? And one of the places that that question came from, uh, yeah, wow, super rambling. One of the things that that question came from, or one of the places that it came from, and I, I mentioned this explicitly in the first episode or two, is the is are the left behind books. Now I, I mentioned those in part because I wanted to create. I, th there are places here and there where I want to have solid 
cultural touchstones that kind of ground this in a recognizable reality. And, and that can be dangerous too, because you don't want to date something too much. But I don't think that bringing up Left Behind really dates it that much. Left Behind is old, but I still think that most people kind of regard it as a present thing in evangelical culture. So if, if you're going to have people vanish suddenly, I think that there are a lot of people listening who might potentially think of the rapture. You got to address that. You have to address that as a possibility, if for no other reason to make it clear that that is not what is going on. And that is not what is going on. Uh, religion doesn't really have any place here. I'm not sure the supernatural even really has much of a place here, in the sense that people usually mean when they use that term. I mean, there's not really there's not really ghosts or magic or anything going on here. It's it's something. It's something both a little weirder and a little more mundane in a lot of respects. But but I, I felt like I had to address the question of the rapture. And uh, something, if you're interested at all in evangelical subculture, uh, one of the things that is really worth taking a look at, if you, if you appreciate uh, this kind of deep dive into a text, is uh, there's a blogger named Fred Clark. Uh, the blog is called The Slacktivist, who for years now, I think he's kind of called it off, or at least for the time being, because he had a lot of life shit happen, and I think he's kind of had to pull back from it because it was just brutal in terms of work and schedule. Uh, but one of the things that he was doing for a very, very long time was going through the Left Behind books chapter by chapter and critiquing them not only in terms of writing and craft, but in terms of theology. And one of the things that, by the way, he brings out in a way that I think is really cool is that the bad writing in those books directly contributes to the bad theology and vice versa. It's, it's just a really, really good series of blog posts. I, I, I strongly suggest that you check it out. But one of the things that Fred brings up repeatedly uh, that I think is interesting and important not necessarily directly related to Gone, but it's something that has been very much in the back of my mind as I'm thinking about what answers I'm going to completely take off the table from the beginning and what answers I might still keep on the table, is evangelicals kind of attach themselves to the rapture in part out of a fear of death. They don't want to die, so being raptured is a much more comforting idea. Rather than dying, you just, in, you know, in the blink of an eye, you're suddenly with Jesus. The thing is... Uh, what is really the difference between that and being, like, suddenly incinerated? Um, if you're a Christian and you believe that when you die, you go to heaven to be with Jesus, then there really is no meaningful distinction. Everybody who's raptured might as well just have disintegrated. They might as well be dead. There, there, is, there is no difference there. Uh, they really like to think that there is, but there isn't. So that question of removal and distance very suddenly and complete absence. Uh, if, if you woke up tomorrow and everybody you knew was gone, uh, would there really be a difference between them just disappearing and dying very suddenly? And while the rapture is clearly not what happened, I think that that is a question that's going to kind of stick with this story going forward, because it's it's not really necessarily going to be explicit, but I think it's going to be there under the surface, because one of the things that I'm dealing with uh, pretty heavily in the story is just the idea of loss, uh, of what it means to lose somebody, of how you cope with loss, uh, of how you cope with truly catastrophic loss, not just the loss of one or two people, but the loss of everything, the loss of everybody. Um, how do you stay sane in the face of that, which, uh, you know, thank God is something that most of us are not really called upon to answer. But it is a question that some people are forced into, into finding an answer for. And I think it's just a really fascinating existential question.
another thing that I'm kind of wrestling with as I as I go through the story is is the fact that what I'm doing here, or what I'm attempting to do here, is to progressively ramp up the tension. Uh, this is obviously a slow burn horror story. Uh, it's not tons of jump scares. There's really hardly any jump scares. There kind of can't be. That's that's part of the restrictions of the medium I'm working with. But it is a slow burn story, and. The thing about a good slow burn is that it's slow, but it has a quality of relentlessness that just cannot let up. It has to be tension upon tension upon tension, and there can't be a break. It's just got to be, it's got to be, a creep, creeping dread is is one of the primary components, I think, of good slow burn horror. And you can't have creeping dread that leads up. It's just got to keep going. So I'm trying to figure out how to progressively build the tension from episode to episode, in a way that doesn't really give you a chance to catch your breath, except in as much as it might be a trick. Like, you might think that this is a moment of calm, but it actually ends up not being that at all. And this is my first podcast like this. I've never done this before. Uh, I've written stories. I've been a writer for a long time, but I've never written a podcast in any sense like this. So there is a craft here that I'm very much learning as I go. And I think that being able to build tension in a story is one of the trickier things that you can do. Uh, One of the ways by which you know a bad horror film is the failure to build that tension. And a lot of that is a failure to establish clear stakes. Like, why should I care? What's at stake here? Uh, What what happens if things go really wrong? Uh, What happens when it starts to become clear that things can't go right, that they can only go wrong? That's very hard to build into a story in a way that works. And I'm trying very hard to do that. And I'm trying not to build it too fast because I don't kind of want to plateau before we hit, you know, the climax of the story toward the end. But I also really do not want to let up. So I'm, I'm dealing with that in another way that's kind of anxiety making. I mean, I'll just tell you straight out, I don't expect to do that flawlessly, uh, especially not given that this is my first time trying to do this. I, I think that I will come out of this story and look back and see that there were a number of places in which I could have improved some things. I mean, that's good. I, I wanted, one of the things that I do, and it's one of the reasons why I did this podcast, is I like to teach myself how to do stuff. And I like to teach myself how to do stuff kind of on the job. So I wanted to teach myself how to do this kind of podcast. I I love podcasts like uh, Limetown and Tannis and Black Tapes. And I wanted to do something kind of along those lines, working within the constraints that I have of, of budget, of surroundings. I have no sound booth. I have my study. And my study is echoey. I've got mostly bare walls and a tile floor. Um... That isn't good. That is super not ideal. I don't even fucking have carpet. Like, that isn't great. Uh, I I do my best working around that, but there's a limited amount that I can do. But I wanted to try to see the degree to which I could overcome those things and and really teach myself how to to do this in a way that I could take and move forward with and, and hopefully do more projects like this. But this is, point is, from a million years ago, point is that this is, this is a kind of writing that I am teaching myself as I go. And there's no way to do that perfectly, if that's what you're doing. 
you're never going to completely stick the landing. And landings are hard to stick at the best of times. Like, seriously. Endings, beginnings are relatively easy. Endings are hard. I've, I think I have only pulled off a few perfect ones in my entire life, and I don't expect to pull off many more of them. But I'm, I'm trying to keep the scary consistent. And... Figuring out how to do that as I am, again, as, as this world is revealing itself to me, not that far ahead of what you guys know. Uh, that's, that's tricky. It's a challenge. It's a challenge I'm enjoying. It's a challenge I'm embracing. But um, like this morning I woke up, I haven't really done a whole lot of recording for next week's episode, uh, which I said I was going to try to get up a day early because I want to get it up on Halloween because, you know, it seems like kind of an appropriate thing. But uh, I woke up early this morning for other reasons, but I, I was lying in bed, you know, hoping I was going to be able to get back to sleep because it was about five in the fucking morning. And I did what my brain does when I, I wake up too early and I started thinking about this next episode and freaking myself out because there are a lot of things about it that I'm still not 100% sure how I'm going to do. So the, so this, this is not to an extent that I think isn't at all worth it, but this is to some degree adding to my stress level. Which isn't low anyway. Uh, yeah, it's 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 been fun. It's been super interesting. So the the last challenge that has been really instructive and again really interesting as I've been going through this uh, through September and also through this month is what am I going to do about technical problems? And I mean I just mentioned the biggest one. I have no sound booth. Um, I'm I'm working in about the roughest environment possible for doing something like this and making it convincing. Uh, how do I try to minimize the echo in this room? Uh, you probably noticed that one of the ways in which I have gotten around that problem is just to incorporate into the story that a lot of this is being recorded in a room like this one. So I don't really have to do much masking of sounds and uh, echoes and, and anything else that makes it pretty clear where I actually am doing this and what that environment's like. Uh, the only thing about that that's been tricky is dealing with car noise outside and plane noise and occasionally birds. Uh, I, I, it, it didn't occur to me that when I got rid of all the birds, uh, if there was like a loud bird outside and there are a few of them because it's, you know, migration season and some of them are roosting in trees right above the house, um, I, I have to like stop and wait for the bird to shut up because there are no birds in this story anymore. You can't really hear those in the background. So uh, there's one of the things I'm terrified about is that, and, and this is something that like I might notice, but a lot of other people might not notice or it, they might not be bothered too much by it. I'm, I'm scared of plane noise, car noise, people noise, and bird noise somehow making its way into the recordings for these when it's supposed to be completely silent and just me. But the, the other thing about this that is has been problematic and that I've actually kind of enjoyed finding a solution for is any bits that take place outside. Because, I mean, step outside and say something and just listen to how it sounds. Uh, there's very little echo outside. There, there can't be. Uh, there's nothing really for the sound to bounce off of unless you're standing, you know, like in an alley or in a courtyard or, or something like that. If you're just standing outside surrounded by trees, which is basically my outside, uh, there's not going to be any echo. So, you, you know, see? You, you might be able to hear card noise outside. Uh, my, my study, this is, this is just so hilariously unfortunate, my study is situated right next to the driveway of my neighbors. And they have loud vehicles. 
So there's, yeah, there's just, working around this has been so stressful. It's just been ridiculous. Um, but but yeah, I've, I've got to try to make scenes that I'm recording outside reasonably convincing. So I, I racked my brains about how to handle that. And, and getting close to the mic, I mean, that helped some because the parts outside are me talking into an iPhone. So maybe the iPhone is just really close to my face. That, that kind of works. Uh, but it didn't really take care of the problem. So I was reading online some people who solved this problem for themselves and having sound booth and and they were like, you know, like, well, nail carpet to your walls. And I'm like, that is completely fucking impractical in my situation. That's just not an option. It is not a thing I can do. Literally, it's not a thing I can do. Uh, for a variety of reasons, I can't really take this mic into another room. This is my setup. I, I can't move it to any other place. I'm stuck here. So I thought about that for a while and the solution that I came up with is to put this quilt over my head. So whenever I'm recording something set outside, yeah, I'm completely ruining this for you. I'm, I'm destroying the illusion, aren't I? Yeah, fuck. Um, whenever I'm recording something outside, uh, I'm doing that with a quilt over my head. It's not perfect, but you know what? It works surprisingly well. Uh, it, I can minimize the rustling by getting it situated where it needs to be, and then just holding absolutely fucking still. That is tough, but I can do it. And again, it hasn't been a perfect solution, but it, I think it has, it's worked better than, you know, nothing. And uh, it's, I'm, I'm proud of myself for having come up with that. Uh, again, working around having no budget, uh, a, a budget of nothing, <laughs> except for what I get through Patreon and, uh, and PayPal donations. Uh, I've, I think it's, personally, I think it's pretty ingenious. I'm kind of proud of it. All right, we're now at almost, wow, we're almost at half an hour. Possibly less once I edit this down a bit. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and close. I am looking forward to doing this for November. Uh, right now, the schedule I've got has this wrapping up in December. Uh, it's possible that may change. It won't get shorter. I'm like 99.99% sure that it's not going to get shorter. Uh, it may get longer. Uh, it may turn out that I can't wrap this up in 10 episodes. It's It has happened before. In fact, it usually happens that when I'm writing something, it ends up being longer than I thought, uh, sometimes significantly longer. But I am expecting at this point to wrap it up in December. Uh, like I said, I, again, I'm, I'm not sure what kind of gap there would be between season one and season two, assuming a season two happens. I don't want it to be too long. I don't want to vanish for like months the way some podcasts do. Tannis, I'm looking in your direction. Oh god, and Limetown just vanished. Like there's no Limetown anymore. Fuck, that was so shitty. But yeah, yeah. Uh, by the time I come back and talk to you at the end of next month, uh, hopefully I'll have some more stuff to say about how this has developed and, and what kind of things have surprised me and what haven't. All right, I gotta go. Uh, I gotta go to the post office, among other things. If you're listening to this, then you are a subscriber on Patreon and you're giving me a fair amount of money. So thank you so much for that. Uh, like I say in the intros to episodes, that means so much. It matters so much. It helps me pay out-of-pocket costs. Among other things, I, I pay for Podbean. Uh, I have a paid account for Podbean. It's not a ton, but you know, it's money. Uh, and it also hopefully will help me buy a new microphone, which uh, the one I got is okay. I think I could probably do better. But even without out-of-pocket costs, I put a lot of work into this and it just makes that work easier to justify. Uh, it's, it's a lot easier for me to set aside time to work on something if I know that I actually am being paid to some degree for doing that. So thank you so much for that. Your support means everything and I appreciate it more than I could possibly say. All right. 
yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, I'll talk to you next month.